The Big Nerd Podcast. Explore your inner nerd. Some call it a hobby, but if you're really into something, let's face it, you're nerdy about it. Whether that's video games, statistics, old books or cars, it's all geek to host Ray Besock as he takes you into the minds of his guests and his own nerdy obsessions. Now your host, Ray Besock and the Big Nerd Podcast. <laughs> He's so nerdy. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Big Nerd Podcast. It is me, the B-I-G-N-E-R-D, Ray Bisak, coming to you once again from the Fortress of Nerditude inside a disclosed, undisclosed location, although if you know me, you probably know where. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about comic books, and uh, got a very special guest, two guests, actually. First time ever, two guests on the Big Nerd Podcast. We got Brian Alviar, who's a lifelong comic book fan and collector. And Dr. Melissa Gar, who's a uh, professor at Florida Southern College, my alma mater. Um, we've discussed a lot of different things. Melissa's more of a new comic book fan. I think she got into it through Brian. But uh, we talk a lot of comic books, both past and, fu- and, and present. We're going to talk about comic book movies, the Infinity War coming out. And there's a few spoilers in there if you haven't read the Infinity Gauntlet, which is what the Infinity War is based on. Uh, you might want to skip that part. Because I do get a little bit of spoilers for Infinity Gauntlet. But it might not happen in Infinity War, so, you know, it might be okay. Anyway, um, yeah, we're going to talk about Brian's uh, personal uh, uh, personal connection to comic books, uh, both through his brother Nelson's passing from cancer and his sister's passing in the Pulse Massacre shootout. Uh, sister Amanda Alviar uh, was unfortunately gunned down in that, act, in that incident. And uh, Brian um, was helped out through comic books through that, through that for the most part. And he's going to discuss that a little bit. And he's going to discuss another personal aspect of his life, his daughter's name, which is a character from a DC comic, DC comic universe. And we're going to get into that a little bit also. And if you want to get in touch with us here at Big Nerd Podcast, or me at the Big Nerd Podcast, we do have an email. It's bignerdpodcast at gmail.com. You can email us and talk about this week's uh, podcast, last week's Star Wars uh, podcast, where I accidentally said Star Trek instead of Star Wars, and a lot of people are still probably going to get on me for that. But guess what? I deserve it. Um, or you can talk or get in touch with me about uh, any other collections if you want to be on the Big Nerd Podcast. Talk about what you love, what made, what gets your nerd meter going to full tilt to eleven. To borrow from Spinal Tap, there. Email me. And uh, we'll see about having you on. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some more guests. Um, uh, trying to get some wrestling guests pinned down. Um, trying to get some uh, Twitch TV guys pinned down. And uh, we'll go from there. But for now, here's Brian Alviar, Melissa Gar, and myself, the big nerd, Ray Bisak, talking about comic books. Okay, we are here with Brian Alviar and Dr. Melissa Gar. Correct. And Brian is a self-professed comic book nerd from how many years now? Oh, since I got my first issue when I was eight, I believe, eight or seven. And how old are you now? Uh, 33. So, see, he's younger than me, and still, but he's a bigger, bigger nerd than I am in comic books, so <laughs> trust me on this one. But um, I, how many comics do you think you have in total, though? Oh, I don't know, a garage full? I've got like 50, 60 long boxes at least, and then... I couldn't buy long boxes anymore, so I just started stuffing them in regular boxes. So a lot. I could probably open a small comic shop up if I needed to. Or a large one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
Dr. Gar here is a playing uh, your your attraction to comic books in, in, in general. I mean, because I mean, as it's it, now it's cool to be a woman in, in comic books now, but then it was like really like you had to be the nerdiest of nerds, you know. For I mean, representations of women in comic books have been changing a lot over time, but um, I sort of. I'm a literature professor, so my field is, I mean, I love books, right? And graphic novels, I'm sort of new to, so um, this is all something I'm sort of getting to. Um, what's interesting to me is about representations of women, because I study that in my work with, with literature, but also the fact that reading a comic book is a very different kind of reading experience, because it involves uh, visual literacy as well as, you know, letter, letters, literacy of words. Um, and I and I actually found it really difficult the first time I, my first comic book I read Brian lent to me actually and it was uh, Civil War and I struggled with it which is possibly the first time I've ever struggled with reading anything ever so it was kind of weird um, to to combine those two things to appreciate the story for its full effect so that's sort of how I came to comic books now of course you know we're watching all the movies and stuff and I have a yeah. 10 year old son so yeah. well, I think I started with Civil War because we had just started watching all the Marvel movies yeah and we had just seen that one and I wanted to show her the difference between the movie and the comic because I made the mistake when League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was coming out which flopped gigantically mm-hmm. I read the book by Alan Moore and it was amazing and that's one I haven't read yet and I saw the movie and I loved it because I love the idea of literary characters coming together to be superheroes. Yeah. And, I mean, that was just phenomenal. <laughs> and I feel to this day, if I um, hadn't read the book first, I would have enjoyed the movie more. But that was the only time I went back and I was like, oh, I want to read this because, oh, I hear it's amazing and I've got to do it. And it ruined it for me. The experience, <laughs> it was just so different. Like with Watchmen, I'd never read Watchmen before the movie came out. Just because I tend to stay away from the darker tones in comics. Like, there are books that I've read that have darker tones, but Watchmen had a profound effect, just like uh, The Dark Knight um, Returns by Frank Miller, that I necessarily didn't like the impact it had on the medium because everyone tried to make everyone darker and more broody, and for certain characters, that works. But I don't want my Spider-Man, I don't want Peter Parker to be a dark, broody character that just beats people within an inch of their life. Yeah, that doesn't work, yeah. He needs to be a... Quirky, zippy, smart ass. You can see we can say smart ass. Okay. <laughs> so with Watchmen, I watched the movie, enjoyed it, and then read the book and really enjoyed it. And I kind of understand how profound the book is, and I enjoy it a lot more now than I did uh, when I tried to read it when I was much younger. And we're going to get into the movies very soon about that a little later in the podcast, but because uh, there's so much to talk about, especially with. Avengers Infinity War coming out, which is probably my seminal comic book point to my, my life, because well, I said we'll get into that in a minute. But um, you said eight or nine is when you first had your, bought your first comic, or you, you bought it, your parents bought it, whatever. Uh, no, but, my uncle Mikey, uh, Mikey Maldonado, shout out. I know you're on Facebook. Um, <laughs> That's allowed. He has a giant collection, um, not as big as mine anymore. <laughs> but um, he, and he's given you more. I still. He gave me a handful of issues. But I remember the first issue he gave me was actually Adventures of Superman 500, and it's a green cover, and it's like the one where he actually wakes up from coming back to life after Doomsday kills him. Mm-hmm. And Spoiler alert! Green Lantern, <laughs> Green Lantern shows up in it, and I was like, "What is all of this?" And it was interesting because it's not that particular issue isn't very uh, action heavy. It's a lot of, like, Superman's dead and metaphysical explanations of, like, traveling to the universe and the soul and all this stuff. And I just loved it. And I was just like, I need more. And interestingly enough, uh, two years ago, my daughter, Zatanna, 
was named after a comic character. For Father's Day, they went to the flea market. And by happenstance, they go to a comic shop and they pick out some comics. And the one that she picked out was that issue. <laughs> so she, for Father's Day, even though I already had it, happenstantially gave me the first comic I ever got. Out of the millions and millions of comics she could have given me, she picked out my first comic, and I thought that was really neat. It's like, the circle is complete. It's almost like, a, yeah, like some sort of weird universal synergy. Yes, yeah, so that, that, that's awesome about the comic books. It, it has such a, uh, you know, you can pass them down to your daughters. He has two daughters, and uh, you can pass them down to your daughters, and hopefully your daughters will pass them down to, you know, to, to their children, and the, the legacy will give on, live on because of your love for the comics. Well, playing on that point, the thing I think I enjoyed about comics the most, and I know for a fact, is I moved a lot. I went to like 12 different schools in 13, 14 years. And so, I mean, I'd make friends, I'm very social, but then a year later, I'd go to a different school or a different state or a different Caribbean island. But comics were always where I was at. So I could buy, at seven years old, a Spider-Man comic and then be living completely somewhere else the next year and still go to my local shop and continue those stories. So it's kind of one thing that I I really clung to was that no matter where I'm at, I've got my family and I've got comics because comics are, they're, they're not finite. You know, most of them will never end. Long after we're gone, there'll be stories of Batman and Superman and Spider-Man and, you know, the Avengers. Well, that's what makes it kind of intimidating for someone new coming into comics as, as kind of a universe is that you just never know where to start, right? So I know that there's the compendia with the, you know, you get the book that has all the essential X-Men or whatever that you can read. But, um, you know, any advice you guys have for noobs would probably be cool. Well, I mean, I think, um, especially hard now because they're, they've restarted a lot of things now. And that's just, it's difficult because, well, it may be easier to get into the restarted, but if you want to get back into the history of it, like, you know, the original Green Goblin and Spider-Man and uh, Na- uh, Osborne. Uh, All Her- the different Herbs and what yeah, happens Norman, in the different Herbs and stuff like that. Like, I know they're riffing on some of that by having characters, you know, very metafictionally go from one place to the other and interact with their own selves and stuff. But well, I honestly think the relaunches are a problem. I understand the purpose of it, to try and get new readers into it and not bog them down with, you know, 60 years of history. And in some instances it worked. Like when Marvel first created the Ultimate Universe, Ultimate Spider-Man was huge. And it worked because it was self-contained. When they brought in Ultimate X-Men, that was also very good. But then Ultimates was amazing. And then they went nuts because they tried to unify all those worlds and then they didn't know if they wanted to bring them over and delete the old continuity and start with these. And DC does a, a major relaunch like every two, every three years. They start all over again. It's like we're on Earth 1, we're on Earth 2, we're all new characters. You know, it's just... The problem... I, oh. I just think they don't have enough faith in the reader. I think they don't have enough faith in kids. And, I mean, comics have existed since the 40s. The 30s, actually, I think. Well, yeah. Yeah, but... Well. um. And I think that they just want to placate and think that the readers now are just dumber than they were. So instead of like being like, hey, just so you know, this guy's got 60 years of history and we can throw in and you can catch up by reading. Instead, we'll just redo it every couple of years because a new movie's coming out. And I think it washes those characters down. The attention span, I think it goes to the attention span of kids these days, so to speak, right? I mean, you would think. But well, the other problem is that... It's, it's a mistake on their part because all of these characters, at least the ones that are super well-known, are going to be bogged down with their representations over time. It's not like nobody's ever heard of Superman. Whether they've read any of the comics or not, they have certain you know, stereotypes or ideas about his character that, that, that just are built into the character. No matter whether they change him to a new universe and make him evil or not, he's evil by distinction from the other Superman. Like That's always built into that character. So to say, oh, we're going to just restart and have these characters, they're forgetting that that those representations are already built in, you know. And you'll see some of that um, 
evil Superman in uh, the video games now with uh, uh, Injustice, Injustice, Injustice yeah. One and Injustice Two. It's a very good job of explaining why Superman went nuts. Uh, and See, if you want to know, if you want to know, play the games and then re- read the comics first, actually, and then read, you know, play the games. But it's a very core cool representation of how Superman can go bad really quickly and how things can just utterly get screwed up. <laughs> it's just one of those things where even Superman can have one really bad day and make. You snap, but that's what I like about comics, and I think DC doesn't do it as much as Marvel. I think Marvel's wheelhouse is that it's a lot more human mm. than DC is in general. DC, when I think DC, is a lot more universal carnage. Uh, the world, every universe is going to end, whereas Marvel is a lot more like, oh man, there's a guy that's killing twelve people in New York City. We got to stop him. It's a lot more self-contained, a lot more human, and like you know, Spidey having to get a job or. Daredevil getting his law firm shut down. It's a lot more of that stuff rather than your Bruce Wayne's who don't really have to worry about that human aspect as much. Superheroes are people too. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I like about them in general. So, I mean, uh, obviously your first introduction to com- a major comic event was Super- Death of Superman. Yes. Um, now, but moving forward and you're getting into comics more and more, you, you strayed away from Superman a little bit more. You went more towards Green Lantern. As you can see, you have a Green Lantern tattoo on your arm. Yes, it's a I very do. large Green Lantern tattoo <laughs> on your arm. But what made you stretch more towards Green Lantern? Because I think he's your favorite, isn't he? Well, he's my favorite character based on powers, but he's not my favorite overall comic book character. This, a lot this of people a big get, distinction. A lot of people really get confused about that because, like, you have a Green Lantern tattoo. I was like, the reason for that, it, it represents will. To me, it's because his power is willpower. For those of you that don't know, he's got a magic ring and he's a space cop. I know it sounds really neat. But uh, he has a ring that he powers through sheer will that can create anything he imagines. Like, if he wants to create a football arena, he can do that. Laser guns, cars, jets, literally Anything he can think of through willpower, he can create with his imagination. And as a kid, I really dug that. I was like, man, this guy's power is imagination and just not wanting to give up. But my favorite superhero is probably Spider-Man, without question. See, me too. When I, when I was growing up, Spider-Man was, was it. I mean, I remember uh, being introduced to Venom for the first time through, through an amazing Spider-Man comic book. And his, you know, Venom is probably Peter Parker, Spider-Man's biggest villain of all time well some people will, will quibble on who's the biggest so you got you know the green goblin or uh uh i would say it's dr octopus or those are the t- top two yeah if, if, if anyone says anyone else they don't know what they're talking about it's yeah. definitely doc Ock or or norman i think norman has affected his life um yeah a lot more than doc Ock has but that's until recently like the superior spider-man story was amazing and it changed a lot that for those of you that don't know basically doc Ock was dying and he had, like, one last hurrah to try to destroy the city and take over. But it was all a trick to switch his brain with Peter's. So Peter entered his body and died. And now Doc Ock is in Peter's body. And he decided that because when they melded, he got all of Peter's, with great power comes great responsibility. He realized, well, I can not only be good now because I have that chance, but I can be a better Spider-Man than Peter because I'm a better person than Peter <laughs> from his egotistical standpoint. And that's a great storyline. Yeah, see, in some of these, I mean, I've, I've dropped I've dropped off of my comic book knowledge, so to speak. I mean, because sometimes you get away from it for so long and sometimes you go back into it. But again, we're going to bring up the movies, but, you know, that's really helped bring a lot more people back into it. Mm-hmm. But um, I say, so your favorite, obviously, is Spider-Man. What is your 
favorite Spider-Man comic that you that you have or that you've read that you that you personally think is you know your your top the top? Oh home. man, this is gonna be really personal, and I'm gonna try not to get upset. Sorry. But um, there's an issue. I believe it's Peter Parker Spider-Man number seventy-five when Norman finally comes back, and bring out one for. Uh, I believe it was like either right, my brother had cancer and it was either right before he passed or right after. I can't remember what year it was in, but it was around that time. And um, Ben Riley shows up to essentially save Spider-Man because he had left because there was a giant. The, the clone saga was hokey at best. But one cool thing that came out, it was the clone, Ben Riley, And then he had left because they didn't know which one was the clone and which one was real. But he finally comes back. He helps Peter to defeat Norman. And at the very end... Ben takes the the goblin glider to the chest, just like Norman had done before. And as he's dying, he has this you know they have this big moment with Peter, and he disintegrates because that's how clones when they die. So it was like we finally know that Peter's Peter, but he lost his brother, and it was really sad. And then his baby went missing. Uh, Mary Jane like was giving birth, and Norman stole the baby, but they told him that the baby died during childbirth. And I just remember that issue very vividly for personal reasons, but probably my favorite uh, Craven's Last Hunt. Is seminal moment. I mean, yeah, he's dying of cancer and just wants to prove that he's better and beats him and then buries him alive. And then, since he's done the one thing he didn't think he would ever do, because he was craving the hunters all about trophies, mm-hmm. he finally did it and he just commits suicide. And it's just such a powerful moment. And you're just like, what did I just read? And there are a lot of moments that are like that. Like, in my opinion, Superman and Cap, I think, are the greatest combo characters ever created. Captain America specifically just because they're the symbols of hope for each universe. But for Cap, his origin story only gets better with time. 45 years from now, his story of fighting in World War II, being frozen, and then waking up 80, 90, 100 years later, not many combo characters have that kind of benefit built into their origin. Like Punisher's a good example. He has to change every couple years because he can't be a Vietnam vet. I mean, he'd be 70 right now, and that doesn't really work for... Fighting supervillains. And Superman, just because he's, you know, the shining beacon. And I believe he's been wholly misrepresented in the DC Universe movies. Well, Melissa, I mean, for you, for you, you just started reading comic books uh, recently, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, but as, what, what, do you, what, do you, what would you say is your, your favorite moment that you've read? Well, it wasn't a moment that I read, but it's related to the moment that I read. So we had watched the Avengers movie. That was kind of like my first. I mean, I watched... All the Christopher Reeve Superman movies with my dad when yeah. I was a kid. If you haven't, shame on you. I mean, they're just <laughs> phenomenal. But um, but it was sort of my most recent reintroduction to that. And um, and at the end, when Steve Rogers wakes up and it's and like everybody's dead or really close to dying and everything, I bawled. I bawled my eyes out. And it was just such a tragic moment. And that was the first time that I realized the complexity of this character because Superman, while he's like you said, a beacon of hope, um, he's just He's always Superman. He's always good. And, th- and there's just not that depth or that complexity to him. He's very, he's notoriously hard to write. There yeah, aren't I many mean, people that can write him correctly. And, and, and it's hard for him to, he doesn't wrestle with himself that much. I mean, I know that there are moments, but not like, not like a lot of the Marvel characters are wrestling with themselves and personal things. It's not just their lives, but who they are as people. They're very deep. They're very complex characters. And with Steve Rogers, it's that having that sense of ethics and moral rectitude that he that he's brought in from a new from a different time that in a modern era seems very outdated maybe 
is really interesting because it, on, in another way it's not. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing that's different about the way that we should treat people. It just, it seems like it should be because situations are different and you have to take context into account. But he's still a good guy. And that's the really cool thing about Cap 2 is like you have to take into account the fact that if you take most guys, especially, I don't know, a white, blonde hair, blue-eyed guy from 1940 and put him today, he might be overwhelmed by a lot of things. And they acted completely different towards people of color, yep. towards women. But Cap has never been that way. And that's something that I find wholly interesting is just he is here, but he always – he's never really sexist or racist or he stands for – all the best parts of humanity. And I think that's what makes him a great character. But he's still tragic, too. Yeah, of course. He still has this yeah. deep sense of loss. And maybe that's what makes him a more empathetic character that's capable of handling the diversity of the 21st century is just that sort of deep sense of tragedy in his own personal life that he carries with him as a burden. And we, we kind of love heroes that carry some kind of a burden. That makes them, I like, relatable. Well, I mean, in... You know, uh, you talked about your brother earlier, uh, Nelson? Yes. Nelson. Okay, yes. I got it right. I got it right. I remembered. And then, of course, uh, a lot of you know uh, uh, that know Brian through fa- my Facebook page, uh, know that his sister was lost in the uh, the Pulse tragedy, the shooting, unfortunately. And, uh, um, you know, how, but have, have comic books helped you get through the, all those things? I mean, you talked about your brother's, you know, cancer, but have comic books, did comic books help you get through... Um, um, Amanda's. I mean, I think I don't think like I legitimately sat and read. I mean, I've been reading forever, so yeah. I mean, I want to say yes because it's an escape and it's something that I mean, you read all these characters that most. I mean, almost I'd say ninety percent of comic book characters are orphans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like their dad died or their mom died or everyone they knew died, and they come from a, you know they grow to be great. So that always inspired me, especially dealing with loss from a young age. Um, with Amanda, what was really interesting was it's the first time, because it was on such a giant scale for all 49 victims and mm-hmm. all of the survivors, it was the first time that the comic community actually came together and did something. Uh, DC did the Love is Love comic where almost hundreds of different illustrators, writers came together to do something to benefit the victims and survivors of Pulse. And I thought that was amazing that this thing that I've loved forever was reaching out and like David Mack, who's famous for doing the art with, um, he created Kabuki. He's also worked with um, Brian Michael Bendis on Daredevil and Alias. And he's the artist for that. And he painted a personal portrait of my sister that's in this comic forever. And I think it's amazing that all these, you know, guys that have idolized uh, George, George Perez, Phil Jimenez, who I'm lucky to say I'm friends with, uh, reaching out or contributing to this with, you know, those victims, survivors, and, me, like, me and my family in mind. That's crazy. So it's really interesting to have that, like... Because, you know, you love a lot of things, and those things don't really love you back, and you don't get a chance. Like, sports is a good example of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both know that one. <laughs> but it was really interesting to have the thing you love love you back for a little bit. Love is love. Exactly. It was really humbling. And and we mentioned your daughter, Zatanna, earlier. Now, Zatanna is, I want you to explain, I'm going to tell you how I got introduced to the character, though, is I was playing DC Universe on my PS3 or PS4, and that was one of the side quests in there where you had to fight Faust in, the, uh, in, the, in, a, in a theater in Chinatown, I think, and Zatanna is helping you fight Faust, and... Uh, but go ahead and explain who Zatanna is, one, and why did you choose to give your daughter such an exotic and awesome name? Um, well, uh, she's 
a member of the Justice League. Her father was Zatara, who was a character that was created much earlier in the Golden Age, kind of with the Justice Society of America. She's his daughter, and she's probably considered the second, the third most powerful magic user in the DC Universe, maybe behind Dr. Fate, I would say. Um, and what she does is she can do anything if she can say it backwards. So her spells are saying stuff backwards. So if she wants something to stop, she says pots and it'll happen. So it's a really interesting way of, you know, but the character is crazy powerful because she can do anything. The reason we decided to name her that was because, um, my wife, Shannon of, um, 14 years, we used to go to cons and I'm not really big into cosplay. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a big dude, so I never really did it. Uh, there weren't a lot of chubby superheroes, unfortunately. We need to get on that. Yeah, get some representation. Here. But um, Shannon really took to dressing up, and the character that she first dressed up as was Zatanna, because it was you know kind of easy to put together. And um, we were really lucky to uh, meet some amazing people through the cons, like Darwin Cook, who just passed away. Uh, when I proposed to Shannon at Megacon of 2009, um, Darwin drew a picture of Green Lantern proposing to Zatanna and presented it to her, like, right after I proposed. And we just always knew that, you know, when we, if you had a girl, that's just, just going to be your name. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it's... And I said, I think she might be the only person, one of the few people in the world named Zatanna, so that's that's an even, you know, more incredible stat there. Well, know. it's a good way to find out who your real friends are is when you introduce them to your daughter and they go... You mean like the Zatanna? And then we know that you can be friends with them. That's very true. You are one of one of us. One she, of us. She get unfortunately she'll always get Santana a lot. Santana, yeah. Which uh which or, happens. Or Z, I guess, right? I have baby Z. That's yeah. normally what I call her, yeah. <laughs> um now I, I, we got into your your seminal comic moments. For me, and this is going into when we're gonna talk about the movies here. For me it was Infinity Gauntlet. I first saw that I was at the now it's the marathon in Polk City, but it used to be called Grandma's Pantry back then in Polk City here in Lake in Polk County, Florida. And I saw that on the on the shelf of my comic book not at the convenience store, and I said, "Okay, this is interesting." I picked it up, and I was able to find the first five. And it's and if you don't know about the Infinity War, Avengers: Infinity War coming out, Infinity Gauntlet. Basically, Thanos has captured all the power gems in the universe. And I know I'm. I'm skipping a little bit around it because I know you know it probably more. Brian knows it's it by right. heart, but uh, he has captured all uh, the uh, infinity uh, gems. The infinity gems, and he's put them into one gauntlet where he can control space, time, uh, reality, power, soul, uh, and he just causes a lot of damage in the Mar- in Marvel universe, basically. And um, not going to spoil how it ends in case Infinity War gets into that, which it should. But um, it's it's very. The problem is, though, I found one through five. I could never find six hmm. to, to fill it out. So I had to read six years later. So I figured out how it ha- how the end happened. The struggle <laughs> of a comic book collector. It sucks so bad because I couldn't find part six. So I was like, I was waiting. I went to the store every day. So I had bugged my mom and my dad. Take me up there so they didn't have part six. I guess somebody else grabbed it ahead of me. So I was like, shoot. But for me, like Infinity Gauntlet, because, and spoiler alert, just in case, Infinity Gauntlet, Thanos kills Everybody. Oh, thanks a lot. Okay. <laughs> he, he 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 destroys everybody and everything, and it's just it was just made it made Marvel to me even more personal because it's like like holy crap you know Wolverine's dead I mean you know Spider Man's dead Captain America's dead uh, Cyclops is dead uh, you know it's like 
holy crap, <laughs> this guy's that powerful. How, and that's why it bugged me for six years or whatever it was where I couldn't find out how it ended. <laughs> it was like, I finally found it. It was like, oh, thank goodness. But um, we're going to, you know, Avengers Infinity War coming out uh, next um, summer, I think. Yeah. I believe um, so. Yeah, I mean, th- a lot of people have been waiting for that. And I think Marvel has kind of built their built a lot into it with these little special scenes at the end where you see uh, the the power gem or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the cosmic cube, I guess, also. That kind of or the Tesseract. Into, yeah, that kind of ties I don't understand into why they just call it the cos- cosmic cube. It's just, like, why even change that? It's so stupid. It's, it, you know, how you know, the movie Hollywood is. Uh, people can't pronounce Tesseract, I guess. It's more or, fun you know what I mean? You know what try. Yeah. But, uh, you know, talk, I mean, this is, this is a, a very big moment for a lot of people that have come back into comic books now with all these movies that are out now and just talk about the Infinity Wars and for me like this is this is the one I've been waiting for since I heard they were going to do it I mean it's going to be insane we've never seen anything like this in cinematic history like this is not just big for comic book fans it's big for movies in general like they're the cast is insane I yeah. mean there's going to be 20 to 30 legitimate stars in one movie, the budget is going to be even more insane, and we don't know what to expect. I mean, a lot of people think it might be too cluttered. Like, how are you going to be able to direct that many actors? Uh, you know, those many personalities going on at once, which is a big issue. As we've seen, it's hard to do. You know, Avengers took off, but a lot of people say Avengers: Age of Ultron wasn't as good because Josh was on his way out. Um, the Russo brothers have killed it. I've been, I mean, Civil War was amazing. Winter Soldier was great. Uh, so it's kind of like we've had ups and downs. Uh, it's either going to be completely amazing or flop. But I think they know what they're doing. They've built to this moment, and they've done it almost perfectly. And it's gonna it's gonna blow people's minds. I'm just hoping. I have a really, really, really weird nerd theory that's super specific, especially with Disney just buying Fox. Yeah, that's because I've always been a Fantastic Four and a X Men fan. X Men especially. But Fantastic Four always had a special place in my heart because they're Marvel's first family. It's like yep. there was no one else like them before. It wasn't just heroes coming together. It was you know a brother, a sister, a romantic interest, and his best friend. And they just did things together as a family, and that was really neat. And they've been gone for years from the comics, irrelevant. And for Fox to buy Disney, you know, I know it's a big thing, and people might not like it. I understand that aspect of it but i just as a nerd i'm like oh my god i want the fantastic four back so bad and i would just love for it to end with thanos thinking he's one and people are decimated and like maybe not dead because i don't think they're gonna just kill outright, uh, yeah 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 outright kill yeah. everyone and bring them back but i really want a portal to just open up and the fantastic four walk out but it not be like some fantastic four we've seen before for them to legitimately say hey this isn't our universe they're trying to get back to the comics where they've been missing from but these guys need our help because I think, A, that's a good way to add them to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then, B, it would just be really neat to see these characters interact with characters that they know that aren't the same. Like Human Torch and Spidey are best friends, mm-hmm. but they have a really antagonistic relationship. They're always making fun of each other. So the idea of a, of a Johnny Storm who's in his mid-20s but dealing with a Spider-Man who's 16 or 17, mm-hmm. that, could be, that could lead to some amazing moments. And then Reed can, you know put himself in the position to be like, hey, I we don't exist in this world, and that's not normal. Most universes, we do exist. You can say that 
Thanos thought they were a threat or somebody, so they re- erased them from reality. There's so many options, and I just think it would be so cool, and it's such an easy way, so we don't have to have another reboot again for like the 17th time for the flipping Fantastic Four. And the, getting, getting back to your point where you, you said Thanos, you know, erased them from time, that's how powerful Thanos is with the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, he could do anything. Yeah. Like, he, he could change reality. I mean, the Cosmic Cube alone can change reality. So if he's got all of these different things, he can do pretty much anything. He's almost omnipotent. So, I mean, it, it, it doesn't even have to be him. Maybe someone else. Um, I mean, you can even tie in that there is a Doctor Doom in this Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he had one of the gems, and Reed was his nemesis, so he erased them and you know, or changed time so they yep. didn't exist. You can do all kinds of crazy stuff. And I know Marvel won't go too crazy with it because it can get convoluted. It can get a little overwhelming to the casual viewer. But I also feel like they shouldn't shy away from doing stuff like that because they assume we're dumb and won't get it. I mean, it's really easy. Like, a lot of my comic book fans, friends are, say, you know, they say things like, that's too much to explain, different universe. I'm like, not really. It's really like, we're from a, dinner, a universe that's just like this, but you guys are more closer in age to us, and we've existed the whole time together. Like, as the Avengers were coming out, and Spider-Man was starting, we were there as well. It's not really hard to, and we're just trying to get back there. That's where we're from. That's, I don't think that's difficult to explain. You could do it that quickly. Like it's not. Well, it's not like it's something we haven't seen in other, you know, media, film, and televisions. So the, the mirror, mirror episodes of Star Trek. We've been doing yeah. this for yeah. ages, you know. Yeah, if you didn't listen to last week's episode. I accidentally called Star Wars Star Trek once. Oh no! Yes, and it was on video or on uh, on on audio. So yeah, and I immediately uh, took away my nerd card for a week, but I got it back. Okay, I got it back. <laughs> it's it's in, it's hung on the wall here at the Fortress of Nerditude. It's hung up here, so... I find it admirable that you would admit that on a podcast. Hey, look, I, when, you, when you screw up, you screw up, you know? You I mean, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, when you bust your butt in, in public or whatever, you know, like, look, yeah, I fell. That's I right, I'm it. owning it. There's so much... Strike a pose when you fall. Back. There's you know? so much information, and, you yeah. know, unfortunately, fans are fanatic. Oh, and yeah. they will oh, yes. take you apart for doing the smallest little thing, but just remember, people are human, they make mistakes. That's right. Uh, we, I did not make a mistake getting Brian as my guest this week, and thank you also to Melissa for coming up. I will have Melissa on again uh, in a future episode talking about feminism in the world of sci-fi and comic books also, and there's a very big subject there to cover. And uh, Brian will be back on again uh, maybe when uh, Infinity War comes out so we can review it and uh, see what your thoughts are on it. And I would love that. Really go back into it. And Whenever you need time to fill, I can talk about anything for 30 minutes, so you just call me and I'll show up. <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, thank you very much for showing up, man. Thanks for having us. Melissa, appreciate it. And uh, this has been the Big Nerd Podcast. And if you want to get in touch with us, it's bignerdpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at it's R squared. Actually, it's woken R squared now if you really want to get into it. I'm a wrestling fan, too, so you have to get into it. Yes, there it is. Yeah. We can talk about wrestling. Yes, we will. We will. We will talk about wrestling. What's your uh, Twitter name, just in case you want to find you? I'm at Green Lantern B. See, there you go. On Twitter. Melissa, do you have a Twitter that you want to find uh, you? Probably, but I don't know what it is. I'm, uh, so she, she, she I'm just, not a twit. No, no, no. You're yeah, <laughs> not a twit. You're not a twitwit, right? That's what you're trying to say? <laughs> That's true. I am. I don't care. But uh, all right, thanks again for joining us, uh, everybody, and I uh, hope you have a – remember, uh, nerd is not just a four-letter word. It's a lifestyle. Thanks.